Hey y'all, it's Bree, the president and founder of The Loopy Girl. Please join us as we go in the Bree Hive, which provides a source of encouragement, hope, and support to individuals living with lupus and other chronic illnesses. Each week, listen to our hour-long podcast where we center on different topics and themes, including mental health, because I ain't crazy, healthy relationships, yeah, day two, and overall wellness. I eat apples. Debunking the stigma of what sick actually looks like. I ain't sick. Remember, loopies, and those with other chronic illnesses, you got this. On today's episode... We are going to talk about the impact of mental health all while living with lupus. And before we get started, I want to take a moment and I want to introduce this amazing guest that's joining us tonight. Uh, no one other than the amazing Ajay Johnson, which is the founder, the CEO, the uh, creative mind uh, behind the Guided Millennial, which is an amazing a blog where she provides amazing uh, advice and tidbits and tips that um, we as, you know, guided millennials can use in uh, bettering our lives, especially uh, mentally. So, Ajay, you want to say hey? Hey, y'all. Thank you for having <laughs> me. Awesome, awesome. So, um, to just get right into things, um, you know, when it comes to living with lupus, living with lupus is really, really hard. Um, you know, there are some people who wear it so well and, you know, look, make it look as if, um, you know, nothing is happening. And, you know, that's where, you know, we question, you know, exactly what stigma looks like. Right. Um, but when I got diagnosed with lupus at first, you know, things were, um, Things were great, you know. Imagine you get diagnosed with this illness you have no clue about, and um, the only knowledge of you even having this illness is because of the rash that is on your face and your eyelids and elbows and all of those other places on your body. And it took for me to be sick, sick, and to. Um, literally feel like I was on my deathbed to really um, take a step back and say, whoa, you know, um, I really got to take a, you know, a further look at this, right? And so um, when it came to my journey and the journey that I'm still on, um, there were many things that happened to me. And I'm sure there are many things that happened to um, you all as loopies. Um, especially when it comes to um, the mental health aspect of having a chronic illness, right? And so, um, you know, at first it started where, you know, I lost my gallbladder. So I lost my gallbladder and um, that started where um, one night laying down sleeping and I thought I was having a dream. You know, I felt this really bad pain in my, in my abdomen. And I'm like, what is going on? Until I woke up and I realized that it was actually happening to me. I was vomiting um, and I just was like, just sick, sick. And my mom took me to the emergency room and immediately I had to have my gallbladder. So with that, you know, I was told by the doctors that um, it would be more like a liposcopic type procedure. So it wasn't anything major. Um, I would recover pretty fast and I can live without my gallbladder, right? Um, so I took that with, you know, I took it as he said it. And as I got, you know, had my procedure, I have, you know, this little bitty scar. So I kept on, on my journey and it wasn't until I got really sick and, you know, I had issues breathing and, you know, um, really having to, um, sit in the hospital for weeks at a time, um, doing my schoolwork because at the time when I was diagnosed with lupus, um, I was, I was an undergrad. So I was an undergrad working on my bachelor's degree. Um, and so doing that and then being told, you know, as we fast forward, you know, being told that, um, my kidneys were failing. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, how do you take that? Right. You know, what do you say? How do you process 
being told that at 24, 25 years old, your kidneys are 50% done, right? So um, at that moment, that was, that, was a, that was a very hard time for me um, because all I wanted to do was live and be normal. And um, I felt like I wasn't getting that. You know, I questioned God, um, like, you know, hey, yo, what's up, God? You know, we always told not to question him Mm -hmm. um, on the things that are done, um, but I'll be 100. I was in that thing going straight off, okay? God, what is going on? Why is this happening to me? You know, and it made me think in my mind about things that I had done in my past. It made me pray to God and say, you know, apologize and cry and and hope that he heard my cries and my sobs, you know, to um, take this all away and make this better. But as time went on and I kept on my journey, that's not what happened. Um, you know, I did dialysis and I got really good at it. I did um, peritoneal dialysis and I ended up getting a kidney transplant within eight months. So, you know, things went great. Now, through all of this, I was not taking care of my mental health, meaning I was not, I didn't, I didn't go, I didn't go talk to anybody. I mean, I, I'm sure you have done the same thing, you know, go to your friends and you vent to your mm-hmm. friends and you cry to them, but your friends are your friends. And at some point, one, how much of that can they take? And two, they're not professionals, right? They're not professionals um, listening and observing and evaluating to give you the right diagnosis or the right um, plan in order for you to um, grow and and have a happier life. Um, So did dialysis and got that kidney transplant. And I felt like I was on top of the world after that. I felt that I could, you know, accomplish my goals and now live my life. Um, At that time, something that really was lingering among me and my mental head was having children. I really wanted to have children. At that time, I was seeing people all around me have kids. Um, In my family, I felt like having children was, you know, what you're supposed to do, right? You're supposed to be able to give your parents, grand, you know, grandchildren. Um, I feel like I'm about to cry. Um, Grandchildren and, you know, not being able to do that hurt. You know, um, not being able to um, be healthy enough to get up and, and go to work every day and to have to depend on your parents at such a, a, such a much older age, um, of course, hurt, right? And so um, finally, I'm able to get back out there. Um, after I got my kidney transplant, I went to grad school and as I was, I think I finished grad school. I can't even really remember. I can't remember if it was right before I finished or when I finished. But um, I ended up in renal failure again. Um, and I lost that kidney. And I went through hell pretty much because I had to, you know, get that kidney removed. So it sounds nice getting a new organ, but imagine them having to go in, cut through skin, muscle, fat to get to that organ and to remove that organ mm. because it was giving me so so many, so much problems. And I was constantly sick, constantly in the hospital. Um, I had to move with family. Um, I moved with my aunt, who I was so thankful for. And, you know, she, you know, really, really would encourage me, even though her encouragement, you know, was sometimes weird to me and funny. Um, because of her coming from like a military background. So it was like sometimes showing that hard love and, you know, her living with Lucas as well. And so, um, you know, on on dialysis and y'all, I couldn't believe it. I got a second kidney transplant, right? Last year, got the transplant. First of all, I had just got a new job. So I had just started doing well on that on home hemo. I had the hang of it, doing my thing. And I, had landed a job that I thought was absolutely amazing because of the benefits, because of, you know, all that great stuff. And so literally within a month's time, I had to, I had to go to the hospital because I got caught with 
kidney transplant. So I ran down to Cleveland Clinic, got the kidney transplant, and y'all, that kidney worked for about a month. And imagine, think, think about that. Your life is fine beforehand, right? You, you own dialysis. I mean, it's not something that you want to do, but it's something that you have to do in order to maintain your life and maintain, you know, the things that you want to do, right? Finally, you get another kidney transplant and things are going well for a little bit, you know, a month. But then after that month, like things were fine, but I found myself being in the hospital from time to time. So it just seemed like every two weeks, it was like two weeks in, two weeks out, two weeks in, two weeks out. And y'all, I did that for like almost, what, six, seven months. Mind you, by this time that I have this new job, I'm no longer living with my, you know, my aunt. You know, I felt like I had it all together. Um, I felt very healthy, um, despite the fact that um, I was, you know, I was on home hemo. And finally, I got that call. So I'm like, oh, crap. Now I got this kidney transplant. I got I to gotta make sure that, you know, my job and I are straight so that I can be able to pay my bills. So they kept me. They kept me. And, you know, I, I was, but I was struggling. Y'all, I was coming to work with my feet, swole to the max. Um, I was coming with, you know, mad headaches and, you know, um, fatigue. I was struggling to get to work. And, you know, not to say that, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, talk bad about nobody, but I didn't have the greatest boss. So imagine trying to juggle all these different things. Now, you know, I had moved back into an apartment on my own, you know, so I had separate bills there maintaining my social life, trying to have relationship lives, you know, trying to, you know, date and do all of these different things. And I am constantly in the hospital. When I finally moved out and was in my own apartment and I was still doing home emo, I went and saw a therapist, right? So, of course, when you finally go and see a therapist, you're finally, you know, feeling that you, you got it, right? It's like, Okay, I'm doing it. Let me get to Facebook, Instagram, let them know mental health hashtag is me time, right? Um, and things were great. But something that I always said was, dog, you know, I go into I go into therapy and she diagnosed me with medical depression. And she stated that I was depressed because of my medical condition. And now think about that. You're diagnosed with medical depression. Basically, you're depressed because of your medical condition. So if your medical condition never changes, dot, dot, dot. Right. Okay. I'm thinking the same thing too. So that's what I was feeling like. And so I stopped going. So let's fast forward back to where we were. So now um, on that job that I had that I thought was so great, um, I, I begged again, like, hey, if you could just keep me. Um, my coworkers reassured me that, you know, as I make it past my one year mark, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. And it's all I kept telling myself. And I was and I, and I was fine. I passed my year higher date. I never forget it. March 1st. I never forget that date. And I was happy. I was excited. I'm like, okay, I made it. I'm like, I did it. And then I got fired on April 22nd, 2022. A month later, thinking everything was okay. Um, even though I was struggling. I was struggling. But I knew that it was coming. Just the way my boss was moving, the way she was acting, the way she was talking. I just knew when I tried, y'all, there is, I gave it, I gave it, I gave it all. I gave it all that I could, you know, I'm in my office vomiting, trying to keep myself together because I needed that job to be able to take care of, you know, my living expenses. You know, I wasn't at home with my parents. I wasn't on my, you know, I was on my own trying to stay afloat. 
and you know that happened and so when I got that that notice like y'all y'all think a dark cloud was already over my head I mean have y'all ever been in a storm where it's so dark like you think it's nighttime but it's not it's actually daytime that that's 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 what happened and I literally lost it I lost it y'all and so you know when it comes to depression and um what that looks like right it it looks different from it for everybody and for me as a loopy um i didn't want to talk to nobody i didn't want to go nowhere um i didn't want to do nothing because do something for what go somewhere for what you don't have any money you can't you can't buy anything so why tease yourself and hurt your own feelings by going out there and looking at stuff that you can't have you know my friends, my, my 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 day ones was like, "Hey, open the windows. It's dark. Okay, so what's the point of bringing in light? It's hot. I ain't going nowhere. I ain't doing nothing. So I might as well go on ahead and curl up in here." And then it was that thought of giving up. Have you ever been so frustrated with your life that you just want to say, "You know what? Like I'm done with all this." like all of it because I worked so hard I had worked so hard I felt like I did I had worked so hard to you know graduate of course we we go to school to graduate and I went off to college and graduated and you know did grad school and graduated and wanted to get a good job and you know of course I had my own personal issues going on you know so like not having um, a good relationship with a, a parent, right? And through all of that, I wasn't maintaining my mental health. And so what it made me feel like, it made me feel like a balloon that's about to explode. Y'all, I fell into a depression and had to literally wear a face, wear a smiley face and make it through Lupus Awareness Month because I got fired in April and literally in the end of April and I had to prepare for Lupus Awareness Month that following May. That the next month, right there, I had to get up and still put it together and make sure that, you know, every event that we said we was going to be at, we was at. And make sure, you know, um, we had our tabling items, you know, making sure that we were, you know, ready for everything. And, of course, I broke down a couple times during that time. And even during Lupus Awareness Month, you know. Y'all that know me, we literally had a whole lupus uh, uh, survivor panel with loopies, and I didn't want to be present. I didn't even want to do it. I wanted to cancel everything that was left for Lupus Awareness Month. Um, I want to cancel it. I want to be done with it. I wanted to just do nothing. That was it. and these feelings and trying to just understand why me like we've all done bad things but I didn't really think that you know here I am I'm questioning God again like yo what's up God like and for years I always felt like God was punishing me for decisions that I made when I was younger but through that through that today okay let's talk about today because this happened not too long ago. So what's going on now? Like what's happening right now? I'm good. Am I healed completely? No. Do I still have my crying moments? Of course. Do I still feel a sense of sadness and wishing and hoping and, and, and you know, believing? Yes. Um, but, you know, I've decided to get up, to start to get up and try to um, you know, you know what my life, you know, there are people that are out there rooting for me, just like there are people out there rooting for you. You know, sometimes we think that we are like so by ourselves while we're living with this illness, 
you know, um, you think about those pains at night that nobody know about, you know, taking the meds, all the meds and making, you know, filling up our med containers that nobody get to see or having that leg pain that keeps coming back or having that, that pain in your side that you just don't want to talk about or you don't want to go to the hospital for it because you don't want to be admitted. Like, I get you. I I, I continue. I, I still have those moments. but. Something that my work mommy, shout out to my work mommy, she knows who she is. She said to me that it's okay to be down there. It's okay to be, it's okay to be down there. It's okay to cry. It's okay to be sad, but you got to get up. You got to get up. Because how can you bless the lives of those around you with your amazing spirit, your bubbly spirit, your supportive spirit, your caring spirit, your happy, bubbly spirit, how could you, how can you provide that to the people that loved you most? How can you do that when you're there, when you're down in your, in your lowest, you know? Um, and so understanding and remembering it's okay to not be okay. Um, and the more you understand that it's okay not to be okay, the easier it is. And remember, you know, it's always important to think about the uh, positive, especially because when you think of negatives, your outcomes will always be negative. But when you think about the positive, you're on your way to coming out of that hole thinking about the positive. So now that was enough of me. That was enough of me, right? So, Ajay, I know, you know, I gave my part. And so, um, of course, I wanted you um, to give your uh, expert take on when it comes to the um, impact on uh, mental health, especially around those who are living with chronic illnesses such as lupus. So, you know, what do you think? Well, first and foremost, talk about a story, a testimony, a <laughs> just every single thing. Um, and, and everybody who knows me knows that I love my friends and everything that you all produce. <laughs> Um, but I enjoy thoroughly when you all get to be your natural selves. Like, I love the Loopy Girl. I love mm-hmm. everything the Loopy Girl produces and what she does. Like, she is, you know, Mighty Morphin Power Ranger. Yes, absolutely. Right. But the days that Brianna can be Brianna, I will root for her every single time. Not saying that she is, you know, way higher or better than the Loopy Girl. But the reality is there is no Loopy Girl without Brianna. And so when you have the opportunity right. to share your story, to be yourself, to be honest warms my heart so much um so I definitely wanted to make sure that I preface anything that I say with that like I loved hearing that I loved um just just getting a a fresher understanding of of who you are because we need that we as your community and and those who are tuning in um all of your community needs to know or be reminded about your story because sometimes as your community we can forget we can forget how Mm. much of an impact um, your life transition and, and having to go to the hospital and having to have these, you know, these crazy changes happen um, around you, we, we can forget how much that will take a toll on you. And so I'm always grateful to be reminded of your story and just how important your community and, and I am to you. But when it comes to mental health and chronic illness, um, I I cannot say that I walk in your shoes. I will never truly understand. Um, but I sympathize with you because being a warrior, you know, a lupus warrior that you are, um, going through your everyday life while also taking risks and also being bold enough to be um, wearing so many hats and, and being the CEO and the founder of an organization, people would assume that your mental health is fine. They would assume mm-hmm. that you're okay. Um, they would assume that you are you're making it. You have community, you have resources, and you have X, Y, and Z, but sometimes um, we don't take access or we don't utilize the same resources that we give to other people. So when it comes to those two phenomenons, I believe that they are more prominent than people would like to make it seem. Mm -hmm. Just hearing loss, you know, just the loss of, you know, you would have relationships, you have the loss of your kidney, the loss of normalcy that you decided 
you know, not you decided, but you had to give up. You know, you had to come into the agreement that my life does not look like everybody else's. And so I have to grieve that and grieve that daily. You know, I'm mad at God. So now my spiritual life is getting topsy-turvy. Then maybe my friends are not really understanding how my life is. And so there's just so much that can impact you mentally. And when life doesn't give you an opportunity to breathe, when life doesn't give you that chance to really kind of dissect everything, and even your people don't give you that chance. Sometimes we don't give ourselves that. And that's something that I can say openly to the public that I fight Brion all the time. <laughs> because even if nobody, and I have to learn that the hard way myself, even if nobody makes room for me, if nobody makes room for my emotions or my trauma or my situations, it is my responsibility to make room for myself. Um, and so I can openly and honestly say, even from a professional standpoint, that your mental health will directly affect your physical health. So, you know, you're you're living with a chronic illness that comes with so many diverse triggers and, and so many different things, whether it's mild or severe, that is also going to harpen on everything that you have going on currently, because your mental health will directly affect your physical health. I tell all of my juveniles and my adolescent clients that there was a time where I was going through major depression. Did I know that's what it was? No, but I started to get migraines. I'm having MRIs and CAT scans for stuff people don't even see nothing about. And it took a moment for me to sit with myself to say, girl, there's nothing wrong with you physically. It's in your mind. And not saying that I was making it up, but I had to really sit and say, okay, I'm not okay in my thought process. I'm not okay in my innermost self. And that is causing me to have so many other pains and circumstances going on externally. And so I can't even imagine having to address and handle your chronic illness and then having to take care of your mind at the same time. So I know that you said in your story that you never really kind of focused on that. You know, you never really took the time unless you had to to really think about your mental health and really prioritize it. So why was that an imbalance for you? Like, why wasn't that a, I, want, I don't want to say natural or common, but for lack of word, like a natural thing for you to be able to say, you know what, I'm not all right mentally. Maybe I need a second. I think because, you know, growing up, you know, you're taught as a black woman, right? Right. You know, you're supposed to do this and that, and that's that. There is no crime. There is no, um, and you know, you know, we could be completely honest. Growing up, you know, my mom wasn't the kind of mom that wanted me to, that allowed me to, you know, come to her and cry on her. And, you know, just like, you no, know, she always, you know, if I did cry to her, she always kind of like, kind of pushed me back and like, hey, like, stop it crying. Like, you mm-hmm. know, and, t- you know, talk about it and move on, you know. I I really wasn't allowed to grieve whatever it, it was that I was grieving. It was, you know, you you don't you don't to me I, I felt like it was like you don't have room to grieve because, mm. you know, we don't grieve. That's not what we do. Right. You know, like even going to, you know, therapy. We don't go to therapy because, you know, therapy may um seem as if, you know, you're crazy. And, you know, that, that of course that stigma in the black community as a whole. Um, so I just was always taught to be this, this strong individual, like, and being strong, you can't show tears because tears was a a weakness, a sign of a weakness. Right. And so I just felt like, okay, if I stop, if I cry, you know, what are people going to think about me? And of course, you know, it's kind of like, are you really strong? Because strong people don't cry. But, you know, but bring it full circle, strong people do cry. Right. Because strong people understand that it's okay to take a step back when they need to, to focus on them. Mm -hmm. And once they get themselves together and however they get themselves together, whether that's crying, talking to someone, whatever it is, and then coming back, that's, that's how you do it. Wow. There is strength in vulnerability. Because if we're honest, there are not a lot of people who are putting themselves out there, one. And then two, there's not a lot of people who are putting their own business out into the streets. It's one thing where 
the streets are talking about you, but it's another thing where you're talking and then now, you know, the streets know all your business because it came out of your mouth. And so right. when you get to a place where you understand that there's strength and vulnerability and that you have control over your story and who knows what, um, there's another level of resilience and power that comes with that. And you had said something that's so key that I definitely want to uh, touch base with you on as far as um, giving yourself the permission to, you know, take a step back, you know, to really kind of uh, revisit some things, breathe a little bit more, sleep a little bit more, just kind of be. So how has that process been for you? Ooh, Jai, you be coming with these questions, you know. <laughs> you know me. <laughs> you come with these questions. And, and uh, run it back, run it back. How has the process of being been for you? Without the superwoman cape, without putting on a mask, just your ability to be as broken or be as happy as you have decided to be? Well, of course it was hard. Yeah. Yeah, of course it was hard because imagine, you know, you know, being a loopy girl, a lot of times you have loop to, you know, reach out and, you know, ask for advice and, um, you know, tips and all these different things. And so imagine being where you can't because you're, you don't have it in you right now. You're right. just kind of taking a, a break. You're just kind of deciding. I don't, I can't be the loopy girl right now. I have to be Brianna because, of course, like you said in the beginning, for there to be a loopy girl, there has to be a Brianna. Mm -hmm. If there is no Brianna, there's no loopy girl. Mm -hmm. And so I had to really take that hat off. And so that was hard, you know, cutting, you know, cutting the phone off, you know, ignoring calls, telling people I'm going to call them back to be able to focus on me, you know, that's hard. You know, yeah. Brianna don't do that. You know, those who know you can call me. And I'm gonna call you back if I don't see if, if I don't see if I don't hear your call and I see it's missed. Oh, I'm gonna call you back. You call me at two in the morning and I see it. I'm answering. Right. You know. And so I had to create boundaries for mm. myself as the first thing, and you know, be okay with that and being okay not being okay. Right. You know. Um. It's already hard, you know, because of the fact that you know I had this thought in my head, like you know. Not saying I'm a superwoman, but um, you know, of course, I think I'm amazing. You know, I think <laughs> I'm are. amazing, and you know, I've I've been very blessed, and so you know, I've always felt that it's very important to be blessed. If if you're blessed, it's, it's a blessing to be a blessing. Mm -hmm. And the fact that I was unable to quote unquote bless others that bothered me, mm -hmm. but during my time down, I understood why I couldn't. It wasn't because I didn't want to. It wasn't because my intentions were not to. It just was because I had to get me together in order to be able to, you know, be a blessing to others and be bubbly. And, you know, like my whole spirit was was messed up. You know what I'm saying? Like everybody knows me as this loud, bubbly, energetic, full of life person. Right. But during that time, I couldn't be her. I, I didn't have it. I didn't I didn't have an ounce of happiness, laughter, jokes, none of that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I just had to, I had to get those boundaries right and take a step back and cut. So, oh, and then with that, I just thought of something. With that, um, you know, of course I felt bad, right? You know, I'm ignoring people's phone calls, I'm creating these boundaries, and the funny thing is, it's like, I was able to be open with those people, my yeah. community, yeah. my my circle, my squad, my tribe, and tell them what it was I had going on. And they respected it. Mm -hmm. They wholeheartedly respected it. And, you know, from time to time, people will call me and I may miss your call and I might not call you right back. I'm going to call you back, but I'm not, I might not call you right back. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Everybody's been very respectful around me. So, yeah. I'm happy you said that because, like, trauma, mental health, therapy, boundaries is another word that people have kind of just like thrown around without fully understanding the impact of that. And so, even 
just mental health in its own umbrella, there's so much underneath that. There's so many things that kind of goes into that thought process, whether you're officially diagnosed or undiagnosed, but then you have an added layer of a chronic illness. And so in addition to working through the process of accepting the fact that you have a chronic illness that very much well may never go away, accepting a new reality, medications, doctors, friends, people, like who do you want to invite into your journey? There's so many things, you know, you were talking about having your job and you lost your job and now I'm running an organization and what that looks like and being the strong friend or the strong person. There's so much that comes into that. And then once you get to a place where you think you have it, you have to come face to face with the version of you that you've never met. And that version that you've never met is grieving or that version that you've never Mm -hmm. met is sad or the version that is just the complete opposite of who you are. And then when you have to implement boundaries, and this is what I wish, there's a lot, a lot of what I say, I wish people had told me prior, but when it comes to that, there is an impact. There is an impact on your circles, on your community, when you start to create boundaries, because you start to really see who has expectations of you. Like, oh, well, Brie always called me back. Now she's not calling me back. Mm -hmm. Mm, Now it's a problem. Or this person used to always do this and now they're not like you start second guessing your relationship. So many different things. And just thinking of the stress or the anxiety you might have had and saying, "Okay, I have to move differently now. I don't want anybody to feel bad or I don't want anybody to be upset with me. That impacts your mental health. Because now you're like, do I really want to do boundaries? Do I want to keep these things to myself? Do I want to just keep going how I've been going? But you know it's been a disservice. You know it's not going to help. And so it's okay, okay, I have to implement boundaries. And I'm grateful that your community responded very well to it. Because sometimes we just have to open up the doors for people to understand. Because we will never understand unless you help us understand. So Mm -hmm. you all being able to exercise your language and to say, hey, I'm not okay. I'm going to be all right eventually, but this is what's going on. I don't feel comfortable sharing the rest of it, but I do want to let you know that I may not be as active or I may not be as around um, and being mm-hmm. able to watch people move after that, you know, being able to know that mm-hmm. I've told them this, they understand, they respect it, and then it gives you more permission to do more things for you. And so I'm so glad that you were able to mention just boundaries because that that impacts you as well because this just say god forbid your community hated the fact that you wanted to implement boundaries or they were upset at that that impacts your mental health too you know now you're like okay i should have never did boundaries now maybe i won't Mm -hmm. have any boundaries elsewhere or now i can't trust those people i can't be friends with them now you're losing people so it's just like mental health is a hurricane tornado of just diverse things like there's just so much with it but at the center at the center of it at that eye there's just the the key to each individual person but um, that was that was such a great point to mention like boundaries and the impact of that is monumental well thank you my friend um you know living with chronic illness is not not the easiest right Mm -hmm. and um Focusing on your mental health is an aspect of your overall health. Right. And sometimes, you know, we forget. Mm-hmm. We all want to work out. And, you know, I see a million one people walking outside in the morning time trying to get, you know, summer girl, high girl, summer fine, <laughs> even though we're in fall, walking into fall. Um, you know, they're still trying, right? They they said in January they was going to be summertime fine. But here we are in the August and they still walking. Mm-hmm. Hey, if that's what helps them, it is what it is. Right. But that's just the physical, right? So what about the mental? For some, walking does help the mental, emotional. You know, there's so many different, um, you know, aspects when it comes to health. But mental health is very important right. because there are people who are losing their lives every day because of their mental health. You know, um, mental health is not a joke. Mental health is not to be played with. Um, You know, because I could definitely speak from a space where I was there. You know, I was there. I I called a few people and I said, 
I'm stopping dialysis treatments. Mm-hmm. This is it. That last treatment that I did, that's all I'm going to do. And, you know, for those who don't understand how dialysis works, you know, um, your kidneys clean your body. So when you go urine, that is all the waste that is inside of your body that is coming coming out due to the filtration system, which is the kidneys. When you don't have kidneys, that filtration system does not work. Meaning, all of that fluid that you're taking in, and when I say fluid, that is anything that is a fluid substance at room temperature. So, jello. Okay, you got me. So, um, when you're intaking that fluid and you don't have that filtration system, it will build up in your body. Mm. So, for somebody who, you know, um, has really bad backup, um, hasn't had dialysis probably, you know, in a day, a few days or whatever, they will have swelling, a lot of swelling around the body, um, usually within the feet. You know, the feet, for me, it's the feet, the eyelids, um, again, weight, period. If you don't get that together, meaning you don't go to dialysis and you don't get that fluid pulled off of you, you don't get that swelling off of you, you literally will suffocate. Okay? Um, you will have a hard time breathing because literally fluid begins to flow because it has to go somewhere. So the fluid begins to flow in other parts of your body. So your lungs, you know, that chest cavity, you know, all of that. And so that's where I was. You know, I was just kind of like, let me just stop because I was tired. I'm the youngest person in my dialysis center. I have always been the youngest. Everywhere I've gone, I've always been the youngest from the time. I was 19, diagnosed with lupus nephritis. So, you know, it's it's just, it's always been hard for me. Um, but I had to make a conscious decision to say, you know what? I'm going to give it another try. I'm going to do it. You know, and so I'm so thankful to my circle. I'm so thankful to my tribe. Those who have stuck around me have been, in, you know, just so much encouragement to me. I am so um, thankful for my family. My family really um, has always supported me and had my back and been there for me. And if it was not for my family, I don't know where I would be. Like, real, just to be completely honest. Like, yeah, I got my, you know, my tribes and, you know, my circles. I mean, I guess my family is my tribe, (laughs) but, like, they are my day ones. (laughs) They're definitely my day ones, and I am so thankful for them. And, you know, I think about for my dad because, you know, my dad um, really pushes me and encourages me. And, you know, he kind of get that tough love sometimes. But, you know, my daddy's girl. So, you know, sometimes that soft daddy love uh, works as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's it. That's all I got. Jack- I just, I just want to add to what you just said. Um, I am, through my uh, main nine to five, uh, I am a... Um, suicide prevention trainer and we got recent in- information as far as 2020 was concerned that within the age range of 15 to 24 like 15 to 35 um there was at least one death every 11 minutes what um, yeah and that's 2020 so imagine 2022 and, you know right. that's in the wake of covid and mm-hmm. all of that other you know all the other transitions and yeah, so now we got monkey pops. Okay, you mm-hmm. can't do nothing. You you paranoid all the time. You feel like you're itching. Like, don't let yeah, me have touch something and try to scratch my face. Nobody hand. It's yeah. just a, what's up, dog. Like, and, and that affects everything because we're just we're social creatures and we mm-hmm. don't have the opportunity to do that freely anymore. It's like, oh gosh. But I, I say that to not put a damper on the situation. But um, I personally was one of the people that received that message when you said you was not going to dialysis anymore, mm-hmm. and I'm like, we better stop playing. But I had to realize in that moment, like, no, you dead serious. Like, that is, that is a decision that you have made up in your mind, and you were just passing out the information just so everybody would know. When your friends are sharing things, whether it's alarming or not, um, make room for the impact of that. Because we could have definitely downplayed that situation for you. We could have definitely tried to talk you out of whatever. And granted, everybody's going to do that. Um but I felt it was important, at least for me personally, to figure out where your head was to even make that declaration. 
and out of no judgment, out of no like doing too much or superhero complexes, like, no, let me really figure out where Brie is currently. And so it may not be suicide that people are dealing with, but make room for people. Make room to actually hear what people have going on because there's so much happening in life right now. There's so much uncertainty. There's so much anxiety around everything. We're all going through things. Every every one of us is. Um, but I feel like when you make room for each other in your communities, it helps because some people just need a space to talk. I just need somebody to listen to me ramble for 30 minutes and then you can ramble mm-hmm. for 30 minutes and then we can just hang up. I don't need to have a solution. I just need to get this off my chest. And so I definitely want to encourage everyone to um, make room, make room. And I know therapy may not be good for you right now. You may not be interested, (laughs) but what other coping skills or mechanisms or strategies or just things that really help your mental are you doing for yourself currently? Um, Something that I I do currently, um, that I looked up and saw, um, I drive a lot. And so literally driving with no sound, just mm. hearing what's around you, um, yeah. has become very comforting. Um, listening to music, of course, but just taking some time to be with myself and love on myself. Um, I think that's been a very big um, help and cope for me because it allows me to... Um, process my thoughts you know mm-hmm. I think sometimes well I'm not gonna say sometimes um for a long time and a lot of times um I'm always on the go right I'm always on the go right. my mind is constantly moving um uh, I'm just a busy body you know um and I realized that I'm a busy body because being busy is what keeps my mind off of the real problem distraction mm-hmm. right which is <laughs> having this illness, right? Yeah. So I was always busy, always doing stuff until I get in the hospital. And in the hospital, that's where I'm actually having to, I'm locked down. I can't I can't go nowhere. Okay, so, you know, I don't watch TV, y'all that know me. You know, eventually it's how, you know, scrolling on your phone and stuff like that. And so it caused you to have to sit with yourself and think to yourself mm-hmm. and, you know, really think about things and process and and at first you know of course I was thinking and having those negative thoughts but I then took those negative thoughts and started just kind of processing them and questioning how I feel you know because y'all just a side story a job would call me just or text me and just be like hey I'm just trying to see how you doing that's it I don't want nothing else just you know how you doing what's your and for for a minute, those were assignments. Those those helped me kind of give me something to think about as I was sitting by myself. So it was kind of like, mm-hmm. okay, Brie, well, how do you feel today? Like, what's going on? What's like, what's really bothering you? You know, what's really bothering you with this lupus ordeal? You got lupus forever. You know, like what's what's really wrong? And it's kind of like, wow, I don't think I ever took the time to. Grieve. I don't think I ever took the time to really accept what what was happening to me. You know, it just was like you got a kidney transplant. You get you need uh you got come for the kidney transplant. Yeah, three hours. Okay, boom, get there. Kidney transplant. Next day, they want you to walk. You got to get up. You got to walk. You got the meds. You got this. You got that. Okay, you got to go home because a lot of people think staying in the hospital for like a month. No, you be there for like forty eight hours. You got to get home. And now you're peeing like a racehorse, but your abdomen is open. So you got to figure mm-hmm. out a way painlessly to get to the toilet or you go pee on yourself. I done peed on myself a couple times. And so now, you know, uh, yeah, just being able to sit with myself and spend time with myself um, has definitely been my biggest way to cope. I love it. I love it. I just have seven points. And we can be out of here. Okay. They're really, really small. I think you promise. Okay. Um, and it's all from listening to your full testimony from beginning to end, like where you are right now. Literally, just so many different keys that I feel like people 
to take away from you. Um, and I want to make sure that they do that. You know, that's, that's my thing. I got to make sure people take what they can take. Um, number one being change your perspective, you know, change your perspective on how you're viewing things. Um, the phrase that I've been reciting to myself lately is um, we're fighting from a place um, of victory, not for victory. You know, I, I know give me the shot, that I'm victorious. Okay. Mm-hmm. I know I'm victorious. I'm no, I'm more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. You know, I know these things are recited at least mm-hmm. where there's a belief, but knowing that that is a place in which I'm living my life, that I'm right. living it from a place of victory, that this isn't happening, you know, to me, but it's happening for me. And so getting that empowerment type of moment, like, okay, I, I can war through this. I can be excellent and great from this, you know, really shifting your perspective on how to handle certain things. Because we look at life, even the smallest of things, we look at responsibilities and our to-do list and we automatically say, this can't get done. This is not going right. to happen. Mm-hmm. And now it's not because that's what you just said. I went to Chicago and all of my friends uh, know that this was such a traumatic moment for me, but it was so spiritual and deep for me because I had told myself that I was going to fall off the bicycle. I was going to ride a bike. I said, yeah, I'm going to fall off. And I repeated it. Even though I was joking and laughing. But guess what I did, bro? Fell off. Mm-hmm. I sure did. And it was so frustrating for me until I realized that's what you said. So you that's how you came. Okay. That's how you came into this, like, situation. And mm-hmm. it was such a, like, frustrating thing because my perspective at that time was, Ajay, you know how to ride a bike, so ride it. Mm-hmm. But I didn't make room to say, okay, well, you haven't ridden a bike in so long. You know, we're we're re we're relearning this. Let's give ourselves a little bit more patience with this process. We're gonna have a good time. Whether you fall off or not, we're gonna have a good time. That's what I should have said to myself. So um changing your perspective is definitely uh, the first one I wanted to mention. Uh, number two is community. Everybody talks so much about community, that support system, you know, all of that good stuff, but um you pick and choose who has access to you. Oh yeah. You pick and choose what they know. And mm-hmm. so because we pick and choose um you have to determine who knows what like i know you don't tell all of your loopies everything Mm -hmm. i know you don't tell all of your tribe everything Mm -hmm. you know you have brunch friends you got church friends you got going on saturday night friends you know you got just different friends for different things you know Mm -hmm. and so choose your communities wisely you know use them and and encouragement to the to the loopies and those having chronic illnesses and living with chronic illnesses for sure um help us understand Help us really grasp an understanding of what your day-to-day life is like, because though we may not know in our own respective places, I know because you told me, or I know because I have a better understanding. And those of us who may not be living with chronic illnesses, we have to be invested as well. If we're a part of your community, we have to gain knowledge. Bree, I know you take medication. What is a, What are those medications? You know, what are those for? You know, or what about dialysis? Or why is it so important? Or why do you have to go this many times in the week? You know, asking things so you, that you have a better awareness of how to support your people Um, resources find them obtain them acquire them use them use your resources whether it just be in simple conversations or webinars podcasts use them and share your resources please people may not have known or come into the awareness of something until you shared it with them Mm -hmm. um another phrase that i've gotten during the season of my life that will be on my next point is um, it's on you. You literally are responsible for the things that you are in control of. And so we are responsible for our, what the Bible likes to call vain imagination, us getting into this thinking, thinking, we're responsible for that. It's our right. responsibility to either pull ourselves up out of it or sit and wallow in it. It is your responsibility to pay attention to your your healing process. And so if you know that X, Y, and Z are impacting your mental health in a negative way, because you're aware of that now, you have to do something about it. And one of my favorite uh, things that Ayala has told me is, or shared with the public, is that we don't like to come into the awareness of things or the truth of it, because then it's our responsibility to do something about it. And so we'd rather remain oblivious. We'd rather mm-hmm. remain ignorant to the situation, because I don't want to be held responsible for what takes place after that. No. You are your responsibility. And those of you who have a chronic illness and are having brands, you are your responsibility. I tell Brie all the time, uh-uh, do what you have to do for you, and that's it. We'll, mm. we'll take whatever you have left afterwards, but it's you. Because, again, there is no Luther girl without Brie. And so if Brie's not okay, if Brie's not doing what Brie needs to do for her, 
it, it don't matter what work we're doing as a board behind the scenes, it's not going to get done because our leader is just not okay. So, you know, you definitely have to uh, be mindful of how much responsibility you have in your own story and being able to remember what you allow. You know, it's, it's up to you. Um, social media, add it into that what you allow thing. There are so many times when we want to scroll aimlessly, but we don't follow the right account. So now we on the shade room for four hours and <laughs> we knee deep. We knee deep in P-Valley conspiracies. We knee deep in what's going on with Blueface and Krishan. Like we got so right. many other distractions going on. Like we are just, it, it, we're down in the further tornado than we were before. Be mindful of the accounts that you follow. Be mindful of the information that you are inputting into your eye and ear gates. Like, all of that will yeah. stay with you. Y'all wake up in the morning singing the same City Girl song because y'all was singing all day the night before. Like, Listen. be mindful of what you're letting in. Okay? I'm sorry. See? See? You see? Listen, it's okay because I'm a City Girl fan. I'm a City Girl fan. But <laughs> we got to be mindful. We got to be mindful. Um, right, right, listening right. in language. Listening is so vital. I'm so glad you said, you know, you're embracing um comfortable silence that's what i call it you're embracing comfortable silence you are listening to your body you're listening to your mind you're listening to yourself about what it is that you need and you're developing the language you know you're developing the language to really discuss your emotions um i encourage all of you there's a thing online called a feelings wheel and so it gives you so many specific feelings rather than just saying happy mad sad the generic ones you can start to say i am excited or i'm disappointed or i am uh, frustrated, just so many different things uh, to describe how you're feeling. So develop the language and even the comfortability to say, hey, I'm not okay, but I'm going to be okay. You know, I, I may not be all right today. Or I need some time, you know, really developing the language to speak to your community. Um, grief, mourning, it is inevitable for us to grieve and you do not have to grieve a person. We oftentimes think that if someone passes away, we have to only grieve a human being. No, I'm grieving the loss of the life that I thought I was going to live. I'm grieving the normalcy that I thought I was going to have. I'm grieving the job that I thought I was going to make six figures with and have a savings account, 401k. Like I'm grieving the loss of a friendship or the loss of a relationship. I'm grieving so many different things. And I had thought about that when you talked about having the butterfly rash in your face, like beauty is this phenomenon that society like pushes on women and for you to have a rash that you had no idea where it was coming from I'm grieving that like my face don't look like how I wanted it to look like there are so many things that we have to grieve and we have to be okay with grieving it's okay to have a funeral service for whatever you need to put in the grave like grieve because if you do not a funeral service honey um but yes be be comfortable with grieving be comfortable in mourning it is a part of the process it is a part of the transition of change you have to be you know you have to really let go of everything else and that's my last thing let go let go of this idea of perfection let go of whatever society deems as normal like let go of the stress and the pressure and just the illusion of it just let it go release and when you release when you surrender when you give yourself an opportunity to really just be you have no idea what's going to come up. You have no idea what has probably been fighting to come up and out of you. Um, there could be a cry that that takes place, a scream that takes place. There could be a revelation that comes up. You have no idea what you will receive when you choose to have your hands open. And I love doing that exercise with, with my clients because, you know, we love to be so balled up, so perfect, so strong. And that requires us to have our hands clenched. You can't get anything with that. But when you open your hands, when there's a release, when there's an, an opening there, you can receive so much more because you're willing to make room for that. And so you have to let go in order to make room for whatever it is that you desire. But I love you, Bree. I love you. Love and thank you and so much. And I thank much. you for this. I thank, I thank you, you for this. Thank you. And using your vulnerable voice to reach the masses, to take up space, and to tell your story. I'm always happy when you tell your story. Thank you so much. And Ajay, I just want to, you know, um, say thank you so much for joining, um, joining me in the Brehive. Um, once again, uh, you know, um, you've just been so supportive of the Loopy Girl. And um, I'm telling you, when, you know, when we blow up, we get big. <laughs> I got you. Okay. Um, we so, here, girl. We here. Would you please, you know, 
let you know our viewers know where they can find you. Absolutely, absolutely. So um, you can find me at www.thegodatmillennial.org and make sure you spell millennial correctly, M-I-L-L-E-N-N-I-A-L. Um, you can definitely find us on Instagram as well at the guided millennial. And then my personal Instagram is as told by a jive. Um, so definitely find me on any of those platforms. Thank you all so much for joining us for another episode of the Prehive. And I look forward to seeing you in the next episode and the next episode and the next episode, of course. And please, 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 please feel free to find us on the web at www.theloopygirl.org. You can also find us on Facebook at The Loopy Girl. And you can also find us on Instagram at The Loopy Girl as well. And always remember, despite any and everything, whether it's big or small, you got this. Bye.